This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dr. Joe Gallenberger, who is a clinical psychologist and expert in psychokinesis, PK. The ability to influence matter using the energy of directed consciousness. He teaches PK, energy healing, and manifestation in workshops including his Inner Vegas Adventure, Monroe Institute's MC Squared program, and his Sync Creation home study course. His book, Inner Vegas, Creating Miracles, Abundance, and Health, reveals how mind energized by heart influences our reality. With his liquid luck meditation, people immediately reported success. His book, Liquid Luck, The Good Fortune Handbook, shares these extraordinary stories. He shows us that we can indeed be miracle workers in our own lives. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Joe. Thank you, Rhonda. My pleasure to be here today with you. I'm so pleased that you're on the show. Uh, let our audience know a little bit about you and your background. Well, um, I'm living in the mountains of North Carolina in the United States. I got a degree in clinical psychology and was a therapist for about 30 years. Uh, but I've also worked at uh, for over 30 years at Monroe Institute mm -hmm. uh, with um, technology-aided meditation uh, exploring different states of consciousness. And uh, over that time, I've developed kind of a specialty in the area of manifesting, what we call psychokinesis, energy healing, those type of areas where we're using our high spirit energies to affect things in the physical. Mm -hmm. And so you're also um, have trained people in uh, psychokinesis. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, so uh, we change psychokinesis usually to the shorthand PK, and yeah. it's the same as TK, which is telekinesis. And many people say affecting matter with your mind. I don't like that definition too much. Uh, for me, the mind is like the steering wheel of a car. It would set direction, intention of where you want to go. 
but the car goes nowhere without gas. And the gas we use is the energy of unconditional love as the best fuel mm -hmm. uh, that we move that energy through the heart and with that are able to affect matter and reality. So what we mean is we get um, seed growth of an inch and a half long, roots in two minutes, uh, holding seeds in our hand, uh, lighting light bulbs with our energy, uh, rolling Dyson patterns, affecting slot machines, uh, bending metal, like you see the metal bending and spoon bending things sometimes, and uh, both in laboratory settings, and then also, um, which is often what we call micro PK, they study. Uh, and then uh, also things like the metal bending that would be macro PK. Uh, and I've wanted to see uh, how that relates to manifesting things in your life and energy healing, because I think they're the same energies. PK just happens to be easier to study in the lab and give you faster feedback. Uh, so if I get in the right energy um, and I intend to bend the metal spoon, it happens within seconds, where if in life you want to manifest the best job, it may take a while for that to come together for you. So it's nice to have the fast feedback. And in fact, the fastest feedback I've found is the casinos of Las Vegas. Yes. So I've done 99 workshops out there where we use dice and slot machines. And we have results like on roulette, they were 1.6 billion to one by chance, uh, a couple of hundred million to one by chance on slot machines. So we get good feedback and good verification statistically that we're not just making this all up, that you can affect reality. Oh, yes. And when I was reading Inner Vegas, I was remembering my days that I was at the casino and I would notice that I would do really well. And then my husband would come over to see how I was doing. And his energy just seemed to affect the machines. And so it got to the point where I said, you stay away. I'll come and report to you how I'm doing. Because mm -hmm. I had figured it out instinctively that if I had a positive attitude and energy, that I just seem to do well in the slot machines. And even if somebody beside me was, you know, not being very, you know, they weren't doing well and they were, you know, having attitudes around that or emotions around that, uh, that I'd actually have to leave my machine and go somewhere else. Can you speak to that? Yeah, Rhonda, I think you're correct. What we do in training, I have a home study course also called Sync Creation to study this at home, but we're aiming for, uh, from a place of feeling like, from my point of view, that we are designed to be unlimited energy beings, getting our energy in unlimited quantity and quality directly from source, however you define that God or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most of us don't have that connection, and so we're energy starved, and we get our energy from other people instead. And when we do that, then we're vulnerable to be manipulated or affected by their energy. So if uh, a husband or a wife stood by you with negativity, um, you're, you're hooked into them in a way that it probably will change your chi, if you will, at the yes. machine. But if you were 
connected directly to, to source, then either you would change them, they would never show up, they would bounce off if you were there, or they would join you in the very high energy, but you would keep your energy state going. So um, I wanted not to be able to just heal people when I was in an ashram or something. I wanted to be able to heal people on a subway or on a plane with the crying baby and bad turbulence and half the plane in fear of crashing. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's one of the things I think that is missing in books like The Secret or the movie is, you know, they talk about visualizing, which is great, but not about what might limit our energy coming into us. And uh, to me, you have to look at your beliefs and your energy pretty strongly. So our cultures say things like nothing good comes easy, no pain, no gain. Then healing cannot be instant if you believe those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, so a lot of it is, it's a free choice universe in my opinion, and we are highly creative, but if we're creating through a network of, um, beliefs that are non-enhancing of our full power or emotions that are non-enhancing, then we're going to have a challenge. So we're aiming at deep gratitude, appreciation, joy, um, compassion, very high emotional states, as well as very empowering beliefs. And within that, we get these high creative acts that we see in psychokinesis. Um, we're in healing. Does that make sense, Rhonda? Well, it certainly does. And I was thinking back to those times and I was thinking he probably lost his $100 and was coming to see how I was. So he might not have had really good energy. And at the time, I would have been affected. Because I do you think that it's a growth thing? Like you, uh, as you said, you give courses at the Monroe Institute. And so do you teach people how to protect their energy and to, well, protect it, but also to use it in the best way possible. Yeah, the, um, there would be a level, some people are very psychic or empathic, and they have not learned basic protection. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing that would hook you into people is trying to be the good girl the bad girl, the good boy, the bad boy, the rescuer, the mess, some role, and that's to get energy, like I mentioned. So part of the protection at a higher level is the best defense is none. You're not really learning protection, but you're in this amazing flow of very high, beautiful energy, uh, nearly continuously, even if you know your dog or cat died and you're in grief, you're still in a, a flow of tremendous love and compassion, and, and that's highly protective in and of itself. If you move into fear, then you begin to resonate with other people's lower energies and the culture's lower energies. Mm -hmm. So I have a phrase on my wall here, it says fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose wisely, mm -hmm. because I think it's extremely important uh, to um, not be tempted to move into fear. Some people have said fear is a prayer for what you do not want. And yet as a culture, we're, you know, they're whipping up fears a lot for us nowadays. 
So yes, the Monroe Institute, when I teach up there, as well as my own courses, home study, my right. meditations, um, I have about eight or 10 download meditations that are about 30 minutes long each. They're designed to relax you quickly through the brainwave technology, open your heart and move you into high, high spiritual states quickly so you're connected with the kinds of energies we're talking about and you can train yourself that way and so initially we may talk about strengthening your aura forming yes. all of energy around you some people put that in verbal terms like i surround myself with the white light of buddha or christ mm -hmm. um, nothing good can come to me or go from me those are verbal descriptions of that boundary um but at the highest level you're filling yourself with such gratitude and love and like attracts like that you tend to attract the uh, your husband coming over to the machine when he's one and not <laughs> thinking in his own mind gee it's not a good idea to go over right now when i lost Maybe I should have a cup of coffee or go outside for a while. Yeah. So you begin to influence even without your conscious awareness of who comes to you and when they come and what mood they're in when they do. Um, and, and then you're in a place where, you know, you're still interacting with uh, people who are struggling, uh, but from a place where you have amazing compassion and yes. you're solid in your your base so you're not having to rely on primitive phys, uh, philosophies like well whatever they are ha having they must deserve it or you know they must yeah. it must be karma or the world is all suffering and what we need to do is detach or heaven is somewhere else or you know different cultural phrases uh, but rather you can see everything and be very present in the present moment and feel things deeply but from an atmosphere of such compassion flow that you're not rocked by all that uh, cultural drama, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've heard quite a bit, and, and I really didn't understand it when I heard, it's a long way from the brain to the heart. And we spend most of our life not in touch with our heart. Uh, because our brain is is running the show, right? Or the roommate that's, you know, your conversation that you're having, you know, uh, with the roommate in your head. And so I don't know, I, I guess the heart math teaches it. I have not looked at their courses yet. But I found my heart and the expansiveness of it during meditation. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, there, there's many roads. People find it through service. Uh, so they may be teaching handicapped children to swim, and as the children meet them the second or third week and hug their hug them around the legs with a big smile or whatever it is, they may find their heart opening. Um, you can go through meditative techniques. The what we know from heart math would be. There's more connections from the heart to the head than vice versa, that the heart perceives things faster than the head, it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so if danger is there or other things, we can see the heart react faster than the, uh, the mind. 
the meditations that we are using now, uh, rather than 20 years in an ashram, in 15, 20 minutes, it can help the brain move into a left and right brain balance state. Right. That state, it's a lot easier to move from there into the heart energy than if you're strongly left brain functioning. Um, so um, that can be there. Uh, people move into the heart through the body as well. So sports people will talk about being in the zone. Yes. Uh, the appreciation of beauty, you know, walking out and seeing the Grand Canyon or a beautiful waterfall. So, um, but the culture is based a lot on survival of the fittest. Uh, and that's no longer accurate. What we know in biology, because of the genetic sharing between organisms, is um, that nature's prime directive is really for the good of all. It's not the survival of the fittest. And um, but if you if you move and create a culture survival of the fittest, it triggers those threat systems that tend to put you into brain and put you into left brain and, and to fear. So we're at a point where we're changing that around a bit. And uh, people are that are very, you know, traveling between worlds like Bob Monroe, who founded the Monroe Institute. Yes. He valued the left brain very strongly. You know, there's many places in the universe where our ability to count and do contrasts and polarities and all these left brain things is 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 considered an amazing magic okay yes. uh, and uh, to navigate through the limits of the illusions of time and space that said we're at a place now where yes that can still be valued and yet you can bring in the amazing power of the heart and they can work and and dance well together so we're not looking at becoming all just airy fairy or fuzzy wuzzy as yeah. that way a snowflake is a united states phrase for some of that in a pejorative way um but rather very discerning very uh much attuned to um reality but at the same time seeing the joy of our own creativity and seeing the power of our heart Mm hmm. And, you know, you said something uh, that always makes me smile is magic. And mm -hmm. I remember as a young one, uh, really believing in magic. And I remember losing something and asking God to please help me find it. I can't remember what it was. It might not have been my, my I might have had something that wasn't mine and I lost it by mistake and was mm -hmm. asking for it back. And by magic, it appeared. I, I just looked and looked again, and I found it. But as people grow older, they lose that. They lose the fact that there is magic out there. And the older I got, and um, after my near-death experience, I have come into a realization that there is magic. And in reading your material, it's quite evident that there's magic <laughs> You know, and I think that we have to, and it, well, as in the Bible, it says we as come to God as children, like that sort of innocence that there is magic and there is all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, 
And and so when when you were doing having groups of people go to Vegas and and you're beating odds that should never have happened, did you feel that you were in that state of magic or what did that feel like? Yeah, there is a it feels like a sacred space, uh, both in the scientific lab at university and in the casinos um, and at Monroe, wherever you are becomes uh, enlivened and glowing. For me, I could see through physical matter, could hear angelic choirs singing in the background when nobody was singing, quote, in the physical. Right. Uh, lots of uh, different things, what we would call time distortions, where it would seem that dice would be roll on top of the table, just rolling over slowly, and I could go to the bathroom, come back, they'd still be in the air. Uh, kind of a feeling. Yes. And with that, then in the thy will be done way to be able to create exactly what you wanted spontaneously, along with the ch- the winds on slots or dice, we're having people wake up second day of the workshop, pain free from post polio syndrome for the first time in 20 years. People, you know, would be tearful the second morning saying uh, for the first time in decades, I have no fibromyalgia pain. So we're getting um, interesting healings that way. Uh, A fellow whose nails on his feet were all yellowed with foot fungus waking up the next day, his nails completely clear, not just starting to grow clear. So we see that magic and miracle. And my stance, Rhonda, is we're surrounded by a miracle. If yes. you look at the miracle of the human hand and everything it can do from brain surgery uh, to flipping the bird, <laughs> you know, uh, from sublime to ridiculous. Uh, if you feel like you're surrounded by a miracle all the time, then some of these things on slot machines or body healing are just another miracle if you will. So you're, it's a different con- context to thinking that we're 98 cents worth of chemicals and there's no magic left in the world. And um, we're all operating out of greed and trying to survive. That's a pretty low level definition of life. Um, mm. It allows people in power to sell us something to control certain situations. Uh, But as adults now, we can um, reprogram, if you will. You mentioned having magic as a kid, kind of losing it, getting it back in near-death experience. And and many people have that journey. Something will come along. um, doesn't have to be near-death. It can be other things. Uh, Going into retirement, uh, having uh, somebody else have a health crisis, who knows. But it brings them back in touch with how much more they are than their physical bodies and um, and the magic uh, begins to activate again. And so we see a lot of people at Monroe Institute who come back in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who say, you know, I've kind of raised my family, made my money or whatever, but, but now what else is really here? And they begin to discover all this magical area, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinating. Why do you think that people had changed overnight and had a healing? Do you believe it's because during the activity at throwing dice that they're, they were vibrating at such a high level that healing took place? Because I know that there is 
like Reiki and things like that, that help people to heal parts of their body. Do you think it was that? Like, what would have it been? Um, the high energies definitely are part. What happens is the dice are very good at a couple of things because we have money out there. People really pay attention. And it might even be 50 cents, but if it's your money or whatever you're doing is going to affect other people's money, people are very motivated to pay attention and to be kind of more impeccable. So when I say, okay, I want you to open your hearts and move into gratitude, ground to the earth strongly, be in the present moment, uh, be one with all and be connected to spirit, when we move into that, um, the dice roll beautifully and we get rewarded with money. If you go into greed, fear, ego, the money gets withdrawn. So that's the feedback system. And within that expansion, I think it allows the opening for a miracle to come in more easily because people are feeling deserving. They're up, they're vibrating at a higher level where their channels, if you will, are more open. And then Rhonda, for me, illness is mysterious. Uh, one person's headache may go away and the other person's may not. And that doesn't mean one person's more deserving than the other or are more intelligent or trying harder or wants it more, but it's more appropriate in their spiritual path right now for that headache to stay or to go away, uh, for them to learn what they're learning as a, uh, uh, spirit and body um, or the people around them. So some people are carrying very heavy loads as they're healing generations forward and backward in their tribal trauma systems. And they've um, unconsciously selected to do that or consciously selected to do that. Uh, and so something may remain longer than for another person. And, and so we have to have great humility and respect. Uh, I use my mom as an example. She was very um, bright lady, could do New York Times crossword puzzle in ink. And the one thing she didn't want to do was to become um, lose her mind and lose her memory. And she ended up doing that. She was in rest home with Alzheimer's. And when she died, I met her on the other side and said, Mom, what was the Alzheimer's about? And she said, well, my dad and I, you know, we'd been married 64 years and he was going to be needed to be around for a long time after I leave. And so if I had died suddenly, it would have been too much of a shock. He needed the time to learn how to cook and clean, meet new friends and do all these things without me. Um, and I couldn't figure a way to get rid of all my religious guilt. So I decided to forget everything. And <clears throat> she went on for a half hour on how Alzheimer's is a beautiful plan for her in from a spiritual perspective uh yeah. so when we look at somebody else's struggles or our own we, we got to be humble and we're not quite sure but yeah. when it's ready that energy like in vegas will move it and uh we can have some shifts if you are uh sending energy to somebody with alzheimer's the most appropriate thing could be to reduce their fear so they could exit it could be to clear their minds for clarity for a day or two to say what they needed to say to some people before they left. It could be uh, that there were uh, many different things happening and, and we, we don't know <laughs> uh, exactly what's best for anyone, including ourselves sometimes. 
but but these uh, these high energy states, as you mentioned, I think your intuition's right, are often associated with shifts psychologically, spiritually, and physically. And so we've had people with near-death experiences that have cancer all the way through their body and the doctors are saying they only have hours to live and they come back and they spontaneously heal, heal within a matter of days. That doesn't make them better than the person who, who exits through the cancer as, as it looked like they might. Even yogas, yogis and you know the highest spiritual people do die, it yes. looks like. And I often die of something like cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has to be a little careful because our culture is such a meritocracy myth. So if you have money, you must be better than the person who doesn't. If you have health, you must be better than the person who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it sure doesn't look like that's what's really going on from my point of view. Do you feel or do you believe that our spirits have made arrangements ahead of time with how we will die and when we will die? Uh, I don't know this. This is my suspicion that there is a large variety of conscious awareness as you're planning a life. Uh, Some people are very addicted to something in the physical, like to get revenge or to come back um, because they're so defined with the body that they don't listen to much advice and they dive back in almost addicted to the physical experience. Other people take a good bit of time um, listening to counseling, if you will, and deciding how their life will go. The folks with more conscious awareness, they may plan two or three exit points in a life, maybe even more, where if it's not going the way they expected, this could be a place they could exit. Uh, and I've had a few what I call near near death experiences where I've been hit on a motorcycle, could see the body flopping in the street, and the head injury was pretty rough. And so that could have been an exit point. I got stung by bees 20 years later and went into anaphylactic shock. That could have been an exit point. Um, but you still have that free choice at the moment you can say yeah i'll stay or go Uh, a lot of people with near-death experiences will report something like they're going and they feel great about being out of the body and they're meeting with an with a high energy saying no i think you're going to stay or let's discuss you have an option to go back and this is how it would be like if you go back and this is what uh what might be accomplished and then they make a decision in my own experience say with the motorcycle i finally figured out that that big angelic being that was there with me saying let's go back was me from the future about 20 40 years um and that i met in my meditative space up at monroe and so that was just my 21 year old self's interpretation of my 50 year old self if you will, uh, coming back to help me uh, move forward. And I always think our future selves are one of our best guides because nobody else is more invested in us getting it right than the person who's got to live with it. <laughs> so that yeah. would be our future self. Well, our souls have a journey and our souls know where we're supposed to be headed and are nudging us along the way, I imagine. Do you think that's what it is or? Uh, Yeah, I think best I know, every drop of physical experience 
is yes. treasured, even if it seems ghastly from an earth perspective. Okay. And that all roads lead to life, light. I, I had a brother who committed suicide. One of the books I've written, you did not mention, it's called Heaven is for Healing, looking at his journey on the other side of the last 30 years after he suicided and how healing is accomplished there. I talked to one of the people I think is most psychic in the world um, the other day, and she and I were laughing. She thinks when we're on the other side, we must be drunk or something because we seem to be in such euphoric states that we sometimes pile on a little too much for one individual physical life. And so we'll say, yeah, just load me up, you know, with all my issues, all my growth. I want to grow very fast and I want to handle everything at once as opposed to the patience of being an immortal being living many, many lives. Um, and so sometimes we come a little loaded for bear in terms of how much we put on our plate. That's challenging, I think. And then we may say, okay, after all of that, the next time I just want to be a dirt poor fisherman on the coast somewhere uh, with a boat only big enough for myself. It doesn't matter if it leaks, but I want a simple life where I can be happy. And we may have a life like that to kind of rest up a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. so I think some of it is planned, but we always have free choice. We can change contracts. We can shift the time we may have thought uh, this would be our exit point, depending on circumstances, because the person in body, when we're in body, even if we have a higher self with hundreds of lives, if we have angels watching, whatever it is, I think even if you want to use the term God, there's deep respect for us in our choicefulness why we're in physical embodiment here, as well as deep respect for any choice we make in spirit. And so we can be choose to be pretty stupid and to, you know, be driving tired and not see the child as they cross the street in front of us and the child gets hit and we have to deal with the consequences lifelong. So, you know, uh, we're making choices continually as human beings with limited information. With my daughters, I had three of them. If they said, Dad, can I go to the party? I don't know if when they're in the party, they're going to get hurt in some very bad way or if they don't go. And so I make it a choice and then I got to live with it. Sometimes even harder to live with the choices we make for others when they're children, mm -hmm. their own choices. Yeah. So I give people like a thousand points just becoming human. Uh, it takes great courage to be here making choices with limited information. But uh, if we move into these states of love flow we've talked about today, mm -hmm. usually what will happen is life gets to be much more like a paradise on earth for us individually here. And our compassion opens and we're much more powerfully able to positively influence uh, folks where it doesn't seem to be going so well on the surface. Mm -hmm. Just a wonderful conversation. It's not an easy conversation that we're having, but it's it's just wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, when, when you spoke about meeting your mom mm -hmm. uh, when she had passed, was that a soul-to-soul -soul meeting, a spirit-to-spirit? -spirit? Did you leave your body to do that? What was that like? There are... Um... Terrific differences, like my uh, my brother usually doesn't like to appear in body, his old body, 
he's more of a highest essence to highest essence. Okay. My mother, you know, given she had just died an hour or two beforehand, um, it was very much like meeting her um, with her perception of her being in a uh, tender, loving care hospital type facility of great yes. light, but laying down and resting. Uh, the first thing, you know, sometimes I'll hear from her like, uh, it was a landline phone clear in your head going, oh, your dad's going to die soon. And it's no big deal, you know, before my dad died, an announcement by hers. Other times I would feel like I've left my physical body here. Uh, the night she died, I felt I was here in my body. Um, I put on some meditation music and lit a candle and felt her presence was with me or her and I were both in the same uh, vibratory state, if you will, when I had that conversation about the Alzheimer's. And um, the, you know, other times within that, you know, say, um, all of a sudden I felt the radiation of her father come in and the amazing love that they had and was kind of blown away by the love they felt with each other. And another part of me was a little boy saying, I lost, just lost my mommy <laughs> right. and, and calling in my own angels to kind of console me. Right. Uh, so part of me would be in ecstasy, part of me would be in bereftness and grief. Uh, so it gets pretty complicated, I think. We're yes. We're fairly multidimensional. And so a lot of people coming through Monroe get become aware of themselves in five different dimensions at one time in body very strongly yes. at the same time another part out of body healing somebody on another continent or in, in another time time space place yeah. uh, so um well, question of where am i gets to be complicated yeah well th thank you very much for talking about that because it is, uh, there is a lot of different ways that we can feel spirit and, and feel others. And sometimes uh, we question it because we're not quite sure that what it is. And what I ended up doing, and I don't know if you do this, uh, Joe, is I write, I write in a journal when I get a feeling that something that I feel is coming over me that's going to happen. And I keep track of it because and and it used to be you know be once a week and and now it's a few times a day and so I always have my journal open so I go, yes I've got to write that down because I want to know what the outcome is and all of these things can be different come to you in a different way and uh, so I'm really glad that you talked about that because not a lot of people talk about that and people who are gifted like you are and have these special abilities, there's no, there's hardly anybody to talk to about them, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't have them and say, oh yeah, once or twice I've had some intuition, but it is really difficult to find a group of same minds yeah. uh, that you can say, you know, I've had this experience and you know and find out if they did but it serves as a confirmation to keep your feet on the ground because it's really easy uh not stay grounded when you're having these types of uh, feelings 
You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symetrex. And I'm speaking today with Joe Gallenberger. Uh, how many people reach out to you and, and, and connect with you, especially with these courses that you're giving? Oh, thank you, Rhonda. Yeah, um, one easy way is just to Google <laughs> Liquid Luck, which is the name of one of my books. And my my books and my website will come up. The website itself is actually a little bit of a complicated word. It's called Sync Creation, which is like the word synchronize, S-Y-N-C, and then the word creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N. So two C's in the middle, syncreation.com. That will take you uh, to my main website. And on top there, there's my home study course by the same name, Sync Creation. There's the workshops and a tab for products with these other meditations and books. I've written the book Inner Vegas, the book Liquid Luck, the book Heaven is for Healing. And they're available on Audible and Kindle, as well as written in Amazon. And on my website, you can get, you know, the signed copies. The home study course, Sync Creation, I have them. I'm really pleased to announce two weeks ago it came out in a digital version. So the, we've um, sold 50 of them in the last week or two to uh, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore and El Salvador, Saudi Arabia, all through Europe, places where people were not looking forward to having me have to mail them something. Uh, yeah. But the classic version of Syncreation is still available as well. So. On the website, Tucson Creation is a lot of free articles under previous articles about how to do psychokinesis and energy healing manifestation work from the kind of perspectives we're mentioning, because I really like to get the word out. When people say, well, where do you start? That's a lot of stuff. The Liquid Lock book and CD are a good place to start uh, to give you an idea meditatively what you can do. So Liquid Luck Meditation, it's about 35 minutes long. You put on some headphones and people doing that reported winning lottos three weeks in a row, selling houses, inventions, soulmates, all kinds of good things. And so we wrote the book Liquid Luck about that. Uh, so that can be a, a cheap place to start under 20 bucks. It's the Liquid Luck download, if you will. And if you want to go to the things more extensively than look at the home study course. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Do you feel that you've been called to what you're doing? Yeah, I think um, from my experience being called to come to the planet, to experience myself depression myself for a couple of decades to the kind of work I'm going to do. And, and then initially thought I would work in the human potential movement decided, now nah, let me get my PhD first, then came back to work back in human potential. And so there's these big circles. Um, and usually when there's, uh, I'm in line with what I'm called to do at the moment, the experiences around will nurture that. Uh, so I'm very happy feel like I've kind of fulfilled my purpose. I get people from around the world writing me every week saying, one of my books has touched them in some way. And yes. that's real fast, satisfying. Um, and so, yeah, I would call it a, a vo avocation, I guess is the word as much as a vocation to be in this kind of work. 
Wonderful. And what extraordinary discovery have you found? Tons, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I was really surprised probably at seven or eight years old, I've just become one with everything, a point of conscious awareness and be in an ecstasy state. I didn't tell anybody because, but I was being raised Catholic, so I read all about the Christian mystics and stuff. Tried to find a monastery, found one that would take me at 14 years old, so I spent two years in a monastery. And I've been continuing over all these years to marvel at the resilience of the human spirit and the amazingness of who we are as humans when we, when we move into love, when we move away from fear. And now I'm blessed with uh, four grandkids and I get to see them coming uh, before they lose that ability to believe in magic. They're all under six years old, I think now. And I have real good f feelings about our future because uh, I think we're gonna get it together and, and reduce fear and really make this the kind of paradise it can be on uh, this beautiful planet Earth. Yes. and. When you speak about your grandchildren and saying that they're <clears throat> under, excuse me, under six years of age, there is a, a time when I think it is when they go to school that they start losing that sort of ability because they start, well, they start being conditioned, right? When you go to school, mm -hmm. you know, your courses and everything. There's, uh, a you know little, there's a little bit there. Yes. Like, you know, they may say, Johnny, color in, in the lines. You'll never be an artist. And Johnny is way beyond needing lines. So those kind of things uh, crimp our cheese, using that word again. Uh, what we do find is early adolescence, a lot of the psychic ability for many people does shift and go underground. The Chinese have studied this a lot where they have very empowering schools for kids and the kids can have things float across the room and disappear, reappear, uh, do a lot of the psychokinesis we've talked about. But when they hit uh, the hormonal surges of pre-puberty, often that begins to diminish for many uh, of us. And then there can be a reactivation, as we mentioned with some adult things such as near-death experiences or having children or you know, different things that reactivate us. So it does seem like um, it can be a challenge to just keep that all lifelong, to keep that child going. And some of us accomplish that. There's a lady, I think her name is Helen Hartzell. She seems to win every contest she's ever. Yeah, Helen Hartzell, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, she's still on, you know, she's got a few old YouTube videos of her in her 70s. And you can see how ebullient she is and how filled with joy and love and gratitude. Okay. And, uh, she just keeps winning and winning. So she takes people with her who need a new refrigerator or whatever onto the contest. Um, so some people keep that quote childlike nature, but most of us, uh, we have to scratch a little under the surface to see it. Yeah, we go away from it and then and then find our way back sometimes, right? Yeah, my dad, you know, in his 90s, he said, those 74 year olds are just pups, they don't know anything. He would he in his experience, after being a New York City executive, it it seemed to come back a bit when he was able to slow down and get out of the earning a living or raising five kids as my mom did or those kind of things. 
and some people, you know, they just, they can hear a song on the radio and it can touch them. Mm -hmm. They can go and see the beauty of a waterfall. They can hold a kitten. A number of ways that that softness of being human uh, mm -hmm. is reactivated. And hopefully when they do, that's supported by those around them, you know, the more vulnerable part of us. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Joel, for being on my show. I knew that it, this was going to be a magnificent conversation. And it's just been wonderful to be in your presence. And I'm going to check out uh, your your programs because I'd like to learn as I like to learn as much as I can about the subject because then I learn more about myself and the feelings that I have. Good. Well, thank you for having me on, Rhonda, and um, it's been my pleasure. I hope it helps a lot of people just listening to us chat today and and feeling the energy. Yes, I bet you that it does. Thank you so much. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.